Hello, lovelies. Hello, lovelies. Welcome back to Soul Stretch Conversations. I'm Rose. And I'm Tina. And we're coming to you from the Soul Stretch Yoga Studio in Cleveland. This is the podcast we like to call our Lotus Lift, where we talk about using the principles of yoga in our everyday lives. And don't forget, if you want to hear more or learn more about our little studio in our corner of the world, be sure to visit us online at soulstretchmobileyoga.com. Hello, Miss Teen. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. And how are you? I'm doing fabulous as always. Excellent. Excellent. So I have a question for uh, this podcast today because our our most previous one was about power and influence. And I loved, um, you know, walking back and remembering who Power Rose was. (laughs) And I'm of course, Yoga Rose. And so my question for you is this. What do you love, now that you've been on this yoga journey for so mm-hmm. many years, so what do you love most about owning the studio and being a yoga teacher? That's a good question, Teen. And I think, hands down, the one thing that gives me the most pleasure and joy about not just owning the studio, but being a yoga instructor is witnessing, having the privilege and the honor to witness the transformation of change in my students' lives. Um, they come. Everybody comes to yoga because they think they're coming in because they want a better body. That's usually the number one driving force. Or they have back pain, or they have knee pain, or the, it's something physical, right? Mm-hmm. They come for a physical reason, but they stay for an emotional reason. Yeah, because that's what that. it's so true. It's what keeps them coming back, and so people come into the studio because they think they just want to lose some weight or get a better body or work on their lower back issues. And then seeing that transformation, especially if they stick with it over time. So we have the luxury of seeing them come back time and time again and seeing them grow. And I think it starts because most classes, we start on our backs. Okay. So we lay down quietly on the mat um, and that's when our defenses are low. Because think about it, teen. Where else in the world are you going to be awake in the middle of the day and you're going to lay down? Okay, you're not going to, like, think about it. So in the <laughs> yoga studio, it's the middle of the day or it could be early evening and you're laying down in a room full of a bunch of people, right? Right. On a yoga mat. You wouldn't do that in the middle of the grocery store. Right. Well, or they'd take you out in the loony bin. They, they would. <laughs> or you wouldn't do that at Target or wherever, you know, in the given course of your day. But in a yoga studio, that's how you begin, right? You come to the mat, you lay down. And once you're laying down, you quiet down. And then all of your defenses are low. That is when you're most open and vulnerable. For me, that's when I usually cry and I feel some sense of relief. That's when I'm healing because I'm letting shit go, right? I'm letting shit go. So then if I'm laying there, and I'm letting things go, I'm also allowing myself to be open and receptive. That opening pose is called Shavasana. Many instructors will start and end with Shavasana. And Shavasana means death pose, corpse pose. So it's letting go of something, dying a little death of something that doesn't serve us. So then we in turn can make room uh, for something in its place to teach us. Right? right? So that's that's the whole point of that pose. So I love that. So when so I think students that are new to yoga, they um, don't see that coming. They don't they all come to the mat, especially newbies. They'll come to the studios. We have we have the two studios and they'll come and they'll just sit down. You know, sometimes they don't even sit down. If they're brand new, they'll stand up. They'll lay out their yoga mat and stand on it and then just wait for my cue. And then some people are kind of amazed when I say, Okay, now 
uh, you know, drop and give me Zen, which means lay your entire spine down, lay down. And I have them actually look up at the ceiling for a moment or if we're outside up at the sky. And then I ask them to close their eyes. And that's that internal lens going inward. So um, self-study takes going inward. And through the course of those yoga classes, so many of my students over the course of maybe practicing two times, 10 times, 200 times, have um, have gone through tremendous self-study, which in turn causes change. Right. You know, one of the things I've noticed when I've, as I, you know, I built your website and I still work on it and update it and whatnot. And um, so every time I, I add a change to a teacher's bio, <laughs> every single one of them recounts the time that yoga entered their life yep. and changed it. Totally. Yep. It really, I mean, what else, what other kind of physical activity truly does that? Sure as I get running. No. <laughs> it's occasional martini might change yeah. you, but, <laughs> but no, I mean, it really, there's not a lot of, I mean, yes, exercises in general release endorphins. And, you know, if you're in a power yoga class, you're going to release some endorphins. You're going to feel great with some, a little bit of a, you know, the lift, but then it's also just quieting the mind, quieting the mind so the soul can speak. And that's what yoga does best. It quiets all the white noise that's around us, not just outside of us, but the narrative, the white noise narrative in our head. So, you know, I'm very blessed and fortunate. So in the last seven years that I've been teaching yoga, I've seen a lot of transformation. But there was something a couple of months ago, teen, that happened to one of our students at the Kataba studio that just blew me away. It was oh. such transformation. And it was funny because the student was only, this was only his maybe his second time coming to the cl to a class you know he had mm -hmm. i had opened the studio a couple of years ago and he's a friend of my husband's and he resisted coming he just didn't want to he i don't know what it was he maybe he didn't want to practice self-study or maybe he had a bad experience because he did say he practiced yoga in a gym once and it just he was like what's the big deal right <laughs> so we had a, we had our gloga event if you remember correctly we had our gloga event and he came to that event and he loved it and he said to me oh, wow, this was like a combination church and AA. He's a program guy. And I said, great. So now that you see it's not what you think it is, why don't you come to a studio class sometime? You know, come and experience it. So he did. He came to a Sunday night class at Kataba, and my instructor, Nikki, was teaching it. And it was a slow, slow flow restorative plus gong. And we all laid down. And he was laying down next to me, and Doug was on the other side. And as we were beginning the opening um, practice, as we were laying there in Shavasana, open and vulnerable, she told this beautiful story about the brick. <laughs> and She's a brick. <laughs> See, every time you say the word brick, I'm going to sing that song. It's the earworm of the century. I know, I know. Okay. So Go she ahead. told the story about the brick, and it, it was amazing. So I'm going to just try and condense it down because it's really long. But it was a story about the successful executive and he had just picked up his shiny new car and he's traveling down the road in his shiny, I don't know, it was probably a Maserati or a Jag or something fancy schmancy. And he's going super fast. And then all of a sudden something comes out of nowhere and smacks the side of the car, causes a big dent. And he, he gets out of the car and he notices a brick smashed into the side of his car. And as he looks over uh, all around the street, he notices that um, there's a kid there 
who probably threw the brick. So he goes up to the kid and he shakes the kid by the shoulders and he says, was that you? What did you do? And he goes, the little kid goes, yes, I'm sorry, mister. It was me. I, I threw the brick. I'm so sorry. And the kid's crying and the executive was like, well, why the hell did you do that? You caused thousands of dollars of damage into my new car. And the kid said, I'm so sorry, but I had no choice. Everybody was going so fast. No, no one was paying attention. And I had to get some help. So I threw the brick to get your attention because my brother, who's in a wheelchair, fell over as we were taking a walk. And I, he's too big. I can't get him up into, back into his chair. And the, this stunned the, um, the, uh, the corporate executive. And Nikki tells this story so beautifully. Hopefully after she hears this podcast, she'll, do, she'll tell the story again because she does a much better job than I do. But long story short, the, the executive stops shaking the little boy, goes over to the big brother, helps pick him up, puts him in the wheelchair, and then he watches the little boy and the, the big brother roll off. And he kept, he never fixed the car. He kept the dent from the brick in the car to serve to remind him that that was a God moment. It was God winking at him, trying to get his attention because he was living life in the fast lane, you know, big bag corporate power executive, like the old power rose. And um, he needed that brick to remind him, slow down, be mindful, pay attention, because if you're not going to do that, I'm going to get your attention. So Nikki tells the story. And then we have the class, and the class is wonderful. And afterwards, we decide, as we usually do at both studios, we always have a little, you know, yogi coffee hour and conversation. It's just something we do to build community. So my friend, who was that was his first class in the studio, he gets up and he comes and has coffee with us in the backyard, and he says, "You got, or in the not in the backyard, in the in the back of the studio," and he goes, "Well, you wait here. I gotta I gotta go out to my car and I gotta grab something. Um, I want you to see this." And I said. I said, sure, we'll wait here. Um, and he went out to his car. He uh, pulled something off his dashboard. And then he came back in and he said, um, I was meant to be at this yoga class tonight. And I go, really? And he goes, yes. He goes, and here's why. So he took this note out of his pocket and he handed it to me. And he asked me to read it out loud to the people in, after the class. And he found the note on his windshield that same morning, earlier in the day, and the note was simple and direct, and it said, quit passing people and driving like a jerk on North Catawba uh, Road. You will hurt or kill someone. Not worth it. Now, after reading that note, I said to myself, out loud, actually, to him and to the rest of the people in the class, I said, there is no accident or coincidences in life. I said, wow, that brick story with your note was a God moment. I said this to my friend who had just come to the class. And in that moment, I admired my friend. It took a lot of courage for my friend to share that note because you see, he admitted to us after I read the note that he was driving like an asshole on the road, okay? He was in a hurry that morning. He was had a million things to do, a lot of things on his mind, and he was not being mindful of traffic or of other people on the road. So he was tailgating people, riding on their bumpers and cutting people off. And because he pissed so many people off on the road, somebody actually got off the road, followed him in to where he was going. And when he left his car, they left the message, the note on his car. So I just thought, you know, that class was meant for him. It was the brick. That's unbelievable. It really was. And it it was a learning 
moment, not just for him, but for the rest of us in the room that night. And it really stuck with us. You know, everybody has bricks, teen. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder if the person who wrote that note truly understands how profound of an effect that has had Mm -hmm. on him and on so many other people. Yes, because here we are talking about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's, wow. I mean, that's really amazing. I mean, have you ever done that? Have you ever written a note and left it on somebody's car? No. I mean, that just goes to show that either that person was really pissed off yeah. or my friend really, you know. Or you know what? Maybe God said, hey, you got to do a something. Yes. This is where I feel like the story has even more God moments to it that yes. we don't even know about. Exactly. Because what got that person to write that? Exactly. Something. And then it, having it be the morning of the the night that my friend comes to this class and then Nikki telling the brick story. Wow. So it was just, it was all too much of a coincidence. It was not... It was on purpose. It was not an accident. And it was a teachable moment. It was a God wink slash teachable mm-hmm. moment for my friend as well as all of us in the studio. And that that's night. what I love about about our studio mm-hmm. is that the stories and the music and their combination with the poses are work in concert. Work in concert. It's yes. not just about the workout. It's about all these other pieces. And and so kudos to you and your teachers because everybody does a phenomenal job of doing that. You know, because yes. that's where the you know that's where the real transformation happens. I think because yeah, yoga class is great, but when it's really paired with messaging, yep. you know. That is real too. It's you know I, that's what I love is I is all of the classes are just so rooted in real life messaging. Well, you know I think God at the in that evening used Nikki. She was the conduit because he was laying there. He was down on the ground. He was in shavasana. He was dying a little death, maybe of something that didn't serve him, maybe his behavior. And she was the conduit to bring the message in. And because he was vulnerable, because he was laying there on the ground with his ear down close, he was vulnerable. He quieted his mind and he listened to the voice of his own soul. Mm-hmm. So that's what yoga does. It helps us to quiet the mind. You're, you're, you're fully awake when you lay down in that shavasana pose, but you're not speaking. Mm-hmm. And you don't have anything going on around you except what the instructor has to say. And then if it's amazing how if you say the right word at the right time, it lands the right way. So, Teen, I'm curious, what's what's your brick story? Do you have a brick story? Oh, boy. I think my, <laughs> I think my brick story, um, I've really thought about this. And I think it's a little more, I mean, sure, my cancer can be a brick story. But I was also really young. I mean, I was yeah. 11, you were between 11 kid. and 15. Um, when cancer came to me and it, and it was just different. But I think it's when I, the night I met my husband. Oh. Yeah, because I remember I was, I was 27. I was going to meet some friends at a happy hour and I had been so sad about having not met somebody special. Hmm. And, um, but then I finally had gotten myself out of a funk and I was like, that's okay. I don't need somebody to be whole and great, which I still believe is true. But um, and so here we are at this bar in Lakewood, and he had come to the same happy hour with a mutual friend of ours. And then just as things progressed through the night, we had so many things that were in common. It was kind of like, wow, so I really, you. yeah. And I was just so grateful. I mean, I felt a physical, oh, like turn your head, kid, you know. And even that night when we said goodbye, um, you know, I just, I said, you know, there's something that's telling me I'm supposed to give you a hug. Wow. And and he was like, okay. And he drove away in my dream car at the moment, which was the, um, 
the Volkswagen Jetta with the Trek bike package. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, she drives a Jetta. <laughs> and yeah, so it's, you know, little things like that. And then the next, it, it just, when it all fell so, you know, into place, yes. I was like, that was a God moment. That yeah, was a, that was a brick. Because a brick, it doesn't have to be a negative Because I had given up. <laughs> it sounds and he'll like tell it. you he'll tell you the same thing that he had given up. He didn't want to go out and, you know, meet any ladies. But when Mike said, hey, I'll buy you a beer, he's like, okay. <laughs> Isn't that interesting how that was a brick moment? Right. A good brick moment, yeah. but still a brick moment, a God wink saying, don't give up, mm-hmm. you know, because God speaks to us in so many ways. You know, and my brick was the cancer, but, you know, even though that sounds heavy, it was still a good thing because it helped me to slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, it really helped me to change and prioritize my entire life. And I'm glad that the brick of cancer came after my yoga was in place versus before, after yoga rose mm-hmm. versus versus <laughs> when it was during power rose. Because yeah. I don't think I would have learned quite the lessons I learned. Well, you know what's funny is is I feel like the brick comes when you're ready for it. Yes. So I have another quick one in that when I was sick, um, and I was at Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital, and my nurse kept saying, hey, there's this children's cancer camp, and it's really awesome, and there's kids there that are just like you that have cancer, and you might want to go. And she asked me quite a few times, because my cancer was like four years long, and I never went. I never wanted to go. I was just so insecure about myself Hmm. because, you know, I was really heavy from all the the meds that I was on and I didn't like my body and I didn't like my hair and I just did not want to go. And, and it wasn't until I had graduated college and I saw my old nurse again and she said, Hey, I'm still doing the cancer camp and we need counselors. All those years later, all those years later. And I was like, uh, okay, Sure, I'm not doing anything. And then that became one of the most profound experiences in my life. And it was really amazing because then I I met this one of my dear friends, Michelle Lewicki. And Michelle um, actually did go to camp all those years ago. And we realized we would have been at camp together had I gone. Oh, my gosh. But here we are. We met as adults. Yeah. And and so I was able to have that same camp experience to process my own illness. But it was many years later. And I wasn't ready for the brick then. I don't think it would have meant nearly as much to me as it did as an adult. And so I I processed a lot of my illness. Um, at that camp because I wound up doing that camp for like 10 years I remember you you talked about it when we first met you were just winding down yeah you know the the yogis believe when the student is ready the teacher appears so when the when the student is ready to hear the message the brick appears yeah for sure you just weren't ready and just like with my friend he wasn't ready until that evening at the yoga class you Mm -hmm. know and and that's when that brick appeared you know we have a great mantra that I've already kind of said that kind of falls in place with um, the brick story. Quiet the mind and the soul will speak. If you oh, quiet, I do too. And I if think you we should put it on a mug. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I think we're doing that <laughs> along with the brick. Um, when you quiet the mind uh, and you stop the white noise um, and you're not afraid to do it, that's the key because many people, myself included, we're all guilty of constant busyness because sometimes it's scary to listen to the voice of our own soul. We're afraid of what our own soul will tell us because our own soul will tell us the truth, not what the internet wants us to hear, or what influencers are on social media wants us to hear, or what the TV wants to, to, to see, but 
our soul knows us the best. And sometimes we um, try and bury that voice all the time with um, things that take our attention away from our soul. So if and we, you can't hide from it you in a yoga class. No, exactly. Because when you're laying and I there. I bet that's why he never came. Because yes. that's what you're talking about, about the work. Because he knows that it's going to be quiet and you're going to start hearing the voices in your head that you're supposed to hear in those moments. Correct. I think that's a scary thing for many people that maybe don't want to practice self-study. But I guarantee you, if you can lean in, I always tell my students this, new new students specifically, if you can lean in to what your soul is saying, the voice of your soul, if you can lean into self-study, yes, it may be kind of uncomfortable, but on the other side of it is growth. It's just like coming to your edge with anything. Mm -hmm. If you can just come to your edge, allow yourself to feel it, lean into that discomfort, lean into the pain, even if there's pain and this discomfort, Allow yourself to be emerged in it, process it, go through it. On the backside of it, you will come out transformed. Because what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over again and expecting different results. Boom. As said by Dougie Fresh. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean <laughs> Albert Einstein. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll credit Dougie, Dougie Fresh. Dougie Einstein. We want Dougie to feel good. Uh, heckler. Um, but that is so true. So if you're always doing the same things and expecting a different outcome, nothing will have have a change. Mm-hmm. But if you do different things, if you if you take the time to quiet the mind, the soul will speak. So that's our mantra for this podcast. And with that... The pose is easy, teen. Mm -hmm. It's Shavasana. Although if I get into Shavasana right now, I might really fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's so funny because there are times where I will hear my students snore. I mean, and I get it, okay, because you're exhausted. So do you like kick them to wake them up? I I leave them be. I do leave them be because, you know, maybe it's the the only five minutes in the whole day where they're going to be able to, Mm -hmm. you know, but I get it. But Shavasana is that surrender pose. And, And here's the thing about surrender, okay, that people don't realize. Surrender doesn't mean that you're giving up. Mm-hmm. Not at all. You're not giving up when you surrender. Surrender, in fact, means that you're being open to the possibility of change. So when you lay down in surrender pose on your mat at the end of a really wonderful practice and you give yourself five minutes of silence and you go inward by closing your eyes, you are surrendering to God or the universe or to your higher power you're dying a little death of something that doesn't serve you anymore. And you're being opened and and allowing God to bring you a brick. It, the brick could be bad. You know, not bad, but the brick challenging. Could, challenging, mm-hmm. better word. The brick could be challenging. Or the brick could also be something that you just didn't see in front of you, like your future husband, that you just didn't make that connection. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. All right. You know, I I surrendered. You surrendered in that moment at that bar. You didn't know you did because you weren't a yogi back then. But you surrendered Mm -hmm. your expectations Mm -hmm. and your desire to feel whole. You thought you had to be married to be whole. Mm -hmm. And the universe said, no, young lady, you don't have to be married to be whole. You're still a whole person on your own. Because you have self-worth and self-value. And when you surrendered that idea, then your brick dropped right there next to the bar stool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
Did he buy you, uh, well, buy you, know you a drink? What, you know what he did? He Because I was living in a fourth floor walk up in uh, Lakewood at the time. And so I was doing my laundry down in, in the basement with the quarters. And he left me $3 in quarters. Aw, yeah, that's was, so sweet. I know, but I have to say, here's what Mark did. He was so sweet. He's like, well, because I was like, hey, I see you got a lot of quarters. Um, I'll trade you some for so I can do my laundry. And he goes... How about I'll give you the quarters for your phone number? <gasps> That's smooth, know, Marky Fresh. Right? <laughs> Marky Mark, smooth, operator. I love it. And you did give him your phone number. I did, yes. of course. And 20 years later, texting. texting yeah. Yes, and 20 years later, that's two right. kids. Twenty years. That's right. 20 years, two kids. We're on our second cat and now a dog. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful brick I know, that Mark right? turned out to be. That's right. That's right. So lovelies out there. So wait, we have, but we you know we're forgetting one thing. We have our mantra and we have our pose. But were we going to do a breath work today or a mudra? mudra. What did you want to include? That's right. So what did you want to so, include with this? So... To quiet the mind, the soul will speak, you know, it's important to allow your ego to step down a little bit so your soul could step up. And when you're in Shavasana, a beautiful uh, mudra to do, which comes very naturally, is to just simply pinch your thumbs and your index fingers together. The um, index finger represents the ego. And the thumb represents, teen, the soul. And we know what the middle finger represents. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that from Sorry. Doug? No. <laughs> um, yes, we do know what the middle finger represents. But the thumb and the, and the index finger, the soul and the ego, have to live in harmony in your body and in your mind. They're both good. Even the ego is good. We need our ego because that sometimes is the fire in the belly. But sometimes the ego does all the talking. And sometimes we just have to let the ego quiet down, put him in the corner for a few moments and allow the soul to speak because the ego will tell you what you think you need, but the soul will really tell you what you really need. And that's two different things. The soul is your authentic truth. The ego is influenced sometimes by the outside world, but the soul is only influenced by God. So if you can quiet the mind, let the soul speak, do that in Shavasana and that's a great also pose to meditate in with your thumb and index finger pinched. You may find, you may not find all the the answers to the questions that you're looking for, teen, and that's okay. What'll happen is maybe you don't find all the qu- the answers to the questions, but the questions themselves begin to make more sense. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. All right. So I think that is a wrap for this one today. Yes. Thanks so much for listening, dear, dear friends. Don't forget that if you have any comments, stories, or suggestions for this podcast and the other ones, send us a message. You can message me at rose at soulstretchmobileyoga.com. And if you want to catch up on our other awesome email blasts and learn more about our lovely little boutique studios visit our website at soulstretchmobileyoga.com excellent and coming up on our next episode of soul stretch conversations we're going to talk about god's timing yes yes it's god's timing not ours team that's right that's right awesome so until then namaste lovelies and we'll talk soon peace out